0: As so happens from time to time, I get a little bit late in the week and I consider um, uh, the, the volume of things that I really want to communicate from a given text. And with members being received and Lord's Supper later in the service, I thought now is a really important time to cut off one of the points. So we will be dealing with points one and two today in the sermon outline and point three um, next week. Uh, read along with me, please, Romans 8, beginning at verse 12. Romans 8, verse 12. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. We are considering uh, that God gives uh, to his own. Um, He gives the fullness of the Spirit, which we saw recently and today. He gives family, and in the weeks ahead, he gives fruit. Fullness, family, and fruit. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Please pray with me. Our Lord and Savior, we turn to your word and pray that your spirit would work, would act upon us today. we pray that your spirit would bring um, strength and joy and boldness. Courage. Love. Adoration. Please work in us. Don't leave us untouched today. Move us closer to the glory of heaven. If even... By a degree today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite writers, J.I. Packer, uh, says this about the doctrine of adoption. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of being God's child, of having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. The Apostles' Creed opens up with this phrase, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker. The Nicene Creed adds one word. I believe in one God, the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. If God didn't make us, if God didn't make his world, he would be uh, still God. He didn't have to make us. He is, however, always, creation or not, He is always the Father. It is His nature to be Father eternally to His Son and in time and forever to us who believe in Him by faith. My purpose today is to convey that we would grow in both living And praying by faith as children of God. To see how our our being connected to Jesus, our elder brother, changes the way we live our lives and changes the way we pray. Because we are now children of God. First of all, very simply, to pray with boldness. Sorry, to live with boldness. To live with boldness. Fear is our fallen condition. Three things conspire to create fear in in everyone who is alive. And that is the presence of sin, it is the expectation of judgment, and it is the fear of death. All of these together inflexibly create fear. Adam and Eve, you recall, heard the Spirit of God walking in the garden. Because they had sinned, they respond thusly to God. We were afraid, so we hid. Sinners naturally hide from the gaze of God. Sinners are naturally ashamed, so we too cover ourselves, but not with leaves. For all people, judgment looms, And Romans chapter 1 says, people know it. All, Paul says, know God's righteous decree. And that is because they are disobedient, they deserve to die. Everybody knows that. And so naturally and properly there is fear of God. Hebrews adds another. The devil has the power of death. And all with all who who fear death, live in this lifelong slavery. These are the big three. Sin, judgment, and death that produce fear. Now, let us think where we ourselves may experience some fear. Some live with what we might call a lifelong anxiety. A low level of fear, that is. Will I make it in life? Will I succeed? Will I ever become married? Will I ever stop being married? Will I be able to succeed? Life is filled with anxiety. A low level fear. What is the number one fear that people have in life? Do you know what it is? P- people take polls of this, and there's one thing that it, it always comes out on top. What is it? Do you know someone? Public speaking. Public speaking. The, the thing that gives people more fear than, than anything else. Why is that? Because publicly, you've got to deal with the question Am I good enough? Am I acceptable? Will I be liked? Or will the tragedy come that I'll be rejected in some way? Another fear that we often deal with is the fear of simply being truly known. If anybody really knew me, if they could see me, it would be yuck. and I would have no more friends. It could be the fear of the future, which is also the fear of death. The eternity is in our hearts, Ecclesiastes says, and then people say, what then? And it is a frightening thing. It is because of a foreboding sense of justice. As image bearers of God, we know that justice is coming. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. The beauty of adoption... We have freedom. The beauty of adoption. We have freedom. Uh, James uh, Bannerman, uh, a Scottish uh, pastor from the 1800s, uh, made these points about what, what truly gives us freedom, and it is it is it is being justified. It, it is it is ha- knowing our sins are forgiven. That we do not need to climb up a ladder in order to satisfy God's justice. It is the forgiveness of sins and justification. But even on top of that, it is, it is adoption. L- listen to what he says. He says that these great blessings from Jesus, for those who believe, for those who believe, it is a pardon and acceptance. And then adoption. Three distinct gifts or blessing, and each one rising above the other. Justification. <laughs> the judge pardons sins. We can barely get our minds around that. The judge pardons sinners. And further, he accepts sinners. We become servants in his household, in relationship to God. As those accepted, uh, we are in a a subject-ruler relationship to God. He is a kind master, but we are still, as those accepted, we are servants of God. Adoption, however, is a radically different thing. It is founded, Bannerman says, on a nearer, more tender, More endearing relation, endearing, I guess we could say enduring, but uh, no, not more than justification. An endearing relation, that of a father and a son. The beauty of adoption gives us freedom because we are rescued from the family of Adam by faith and are no longer children of wrath. And we enjoy, as we read earlier from the confession, the liberties and privileges of the children of God. However, we're slow to get it. Do you notice in our text uh, the, the uh, the, the phrase that we may fall back into fear? You have received, you've been led by the Spirit, you're sons of God you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Certainly, we are naturally unable to believe that salvation is all of God's grace and love. We are naturally incapable of grasping that. To believe that salvation is all of grace, we fall back into fear. And we have what the Puritans used to call the mindset of servants. The mindset of servants... I think the the most popular, I suppose, or well-known parable of Jesus was the parable of the two sons, what we often call the prodigal son. I don't like that. Because it really is addressing two separate sons, each with their own particular problem. Better, the parable of two sons. The younger son we're used to focusing on. He is the brazen rebel. Um, he is the one who partied and he had and, and sex and drugs and, and just went from one high to the next until he ran out of his share of the money. And he comes back and he says to the father, "'Please accept me as a hired hand. I'll even live above the garage.'" Please accept me as one of your servants. That's his understanding of God's love. The older brother stayed at home, did as he was told, was conspicuously in the field when his younger brother came home doing what he was supposed to. And he says to his father, all these years I have slaved for you and you never gave me a party. Both of them, are slow to grasp the reality of the love of God. They are. Um, it, they, it, it dawns on them. Dawns on them only slowly. We might say by degrees. And, and how about yourself? It is easy for us, like the younger brother, to fix our eyes on our failures and our guilt. We see them clearly. For the most part, we see them. And we can say that God doesn't love me. No reason for him to love me. Or we could be like the elder brother and see our goodness and be secretly or not so secretly proud of it and say, of course he loves me. I'm better than others. The spirit of do- adoption sets us free from those kinds of games. The spirit of adoption gives us spiritual and psychological security that rests on the fact that sins are forgiven in Christ and we have become children of God and we are ushered then into an honest relationship with both God and with ourselves and other people. We are children of grace brought near. Near to God, but also near to one another. There is a social dynamic to the doctrine of adoption. That is, it affects how we speak and live with one another. How then will you live freely together? As I said, great text for those, for today, as we receive our precious new members into the, into the church. It's a, a precious thing, as we've already said. Uh, I think Anders said, uh, connected to the Lord Jesus means we're also connected to one another. John puts it this way, we walk in Christ's light, and if we do so, we will also, if we are truly in Christ's light, we will love our brothers and sisters. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. But two things. Fear can intrude. In in many ways, I'm just going to mention today two things. Fear may keep you from living openly. We are called to live openly with one another, to be able to truly help one another. uh, uh, But fear may keep you from living openly. From loving honestly. Fear can um, block your loving honestly. Living honestly. Example. You have uh, close relationships with people. I'm guessing that there are important things that have gone unsaid. I'm guessing that there are important things that you are reluctant to say because you are concerned about what they will think, how they will react, will they get mad, is this going to blow back on me in some way, so you just keep quiet. You are called to speak the truth, but sometimes fear locks you up. So what happens? You stay silent. And when you stay silent, resentment builds. And when you finally do speak, you let it loose like a cannon. Out of irritation and even anger. What's going on here? Fear has taken over. Fear fear keeps us quiet. Then it makes us loud. (laughs) By faith then, we learn to speak sooner and softer. By faith, honoring one another as as brothers and sisters in Christ, we speak sooner and we speak softer. The second thing is fear may keep you isolated from one another. Fear often keeps us isolated from one another. We may be embarrassed about something. We may be ashamed of something. And so we hide behind the appearance of our morality and our goodness, and yet inside we are not being honest about what's really going on with us. We may be embarrassed of sin, we may be embarrassed of a weakness, and we are afraid to share it. And we are afraid, so afraid to share it, that we miss the benefit of someone praying for us. We live quietly alone with our problems and miss out on one of the greatest and most important callings of the body of Christ, and that is to bear one another's burdens. To be a safe and wise place in which people can bear their burdens. Have people pray for them. Support them. Encourage them. We sang, we are God's people. And the gospel frees us to live transparently. And then it goes on to say, heart to heart and hand to hand. Well, that's not even on the radar if you're not being honest with one another. Your heart is your own. It is not being shared. So please, do you allow fear to keep you from loving others honestly? First question today. Do you allow fear to keep you from loving others honestly? Do you allow fear to keep you isolated so others can't help you? Brothers and sisters, we are called to walk together heart to heart, hand to hand. We are called to live with boldness, courage, birthed in our relationship and connection with Jesus Christ. We are also called to pray with boldness, pray with boldness. We are now, in this new covenant age, free to draw near to God. One of the great distinctions between the Old Testament and New Testament, in the Old Testament there was a danger in drawing near. The story that used to haunt me as a child was, was that of Uzzah. Do you remember Uzzah? The, uh, the cart was being transported. It was being moved. It was being pulled by, uh, by uh, on a cart, pulled by, um, by oxen or by cows. And that's not how it was to be carried. It lost a little bit, got a little bit shaky. And Uzzah reached out, his, doing a good thing, right? Reached out his hand against God's will, held that ark, and he immediately dropped dead. The Old Testament with the temple uh, arrangements is designed to keep you a safe distance from God. Now, as Ephesians says, in Christ, Christ in whom we have three things. Listen to this. In Christ, in whom we have boldness, access, and confidence through faith. Boldness, access, And confidence. We have boldness. We are talking to our Father. And we know that He is our Father. And Psalm 16 gives us the picture of His bending down and giving us His ear to listen. When you are praying, your Father is inclining Himself to hear you. So pray with boldness. We have access because by the blood of Jesus, that, that, that sheet in the temple was ripped. And we're now viewing the most holy place. That is where the blood of Christ has been spilled so that we may have that free access to God. And we speak, therefore, we speak in our prayers with confidence, the Holy Spirit teaching us to say, Abba, Father. These again are the words of Christ that he uh, prayed in that, in that prayer of deep longing and Gethsemane. Abba, Father. It's hard for us to make those prayers because in our adoption, in our adoption, we have not had a change of nature. We are, not, we are not now purified, as beautiful as we will be at a later time. It is not a change in our nature, but a change in our status. And we have to be told again and again and again that when we disobey, when in God's household we have really bad manners and mistreat one another, and they're disrespectful to God, that God still won't kick you out. God still won't withdraw His love because He chose you as a son and as a daughter and you're in His family. But He's given us the Spirit to help. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit bears witness with you He does it one way through the words of Scripture that are directly given to you, enlightening your mind. These words now become personal to you. This is now a personal word from God, as as Paul says in Romans chapter 5. The love of God is shed apart, we say. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit who's been given to me. It's personal. Good fathers want their kids to know the Father's love. Uh, another ancient writer called it felt knowledge. Not just doctrinal, not just an understanding of what our confession speaks, but, but a felt knowledge of God. That is the ministry of the Spirit, to bring the sweetness of the relationship we have with God as Father, home to our hearts, sometimes we feel that so powerfully that we tremble at the presence of God. A good fear tremble at the nearness and goodness of God. Sometimes it's it's a whisper, a a sense of the Spirit. As, As another writer said, the holy calm of adoption. The holy calm of adoption. And so we are enabled by the Spirit to pray freely and boldly of a father. Kids kids can ask their dads for anything, can't they? I remember putting our eldest she's forty two now. This would have been thirty eight years ago maybe. Putting her to bed. I can remember it as if it were yesterday. And uh, the moon was hanging outside of her w- window. It was huge. And we were put, putting her to bed, praying, and, and then she saw the moon and she said, Daddy, will you get me the moon? Would you bring me the moon? Now, of course, I can't do that. And that would be a disastrous thing to do if that moon were sitting on, on her lap. But in, in any case, they, she loves to ask. And Dad's love to give. We cry out, cry out. An important word. It, it appears also in Galatians chapter four. cry out. And, and another another way it's sometimes translated is croak. You can't put words to it. You just cry out. You're croaking. That's you're, you're you're crying out. It is a loud cry. It expresses our deep emotion to God. It is that, an expression of that felt knowledge of God. As the Holy Spirit um, gives His wordless prayers to us, we saw a couple of weeks ago, He groans alongside of us. He is croaking alongside of us. What is this saying? It is saying you are doing your best praying when all you can do is stutter out, Help me, God. I need need your grace. I need help today. Can't even put it in words. I'm crying out. I'm croaking. I need help. And the Spirit aids us in those prayers and comes alongside of us and sustains us. The Spirit groans with you and prays with you and testifies to you. Now, some people say that the only way to do it, or that the only way to pray, is with these extemporaneous prayers. I I just want to make a plug for a minute that there is also a good place for written prayers. Uh, They can written prayers can lead you when your mind is muddled. The Psalms, of course, give us great examples of honest praying, giving us words when none would come to our mind. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever, Psalm 13. One of the things that I have done is put down some, some uh, prayers on, on uh, my prayer cards. And I, and I pray these regularly. And if you turn to the, uh, the um, uh, daily Bible reading, the first two uh, paragraphs there is a written prayer that is, that is perfect for the family of God. And I've prayed this hundreds of times. Father, thank you for the grace that has preserved my life to this moment. This is an up-to-the-moment current prayer. Now give me enough love for this day, a sense of love from you, so I'm not scared or driven. A welling up of love for you, Romans 5, uh, verse 5, um, so I'm not proud or selfish. And a resulting love for others, so I'm not cold or distracted. That is a prayer for every day. And then let the Spirit illumine my mind and enlarge my heart for this. Every, every Sunday, I, I pray a prayer from the Valley of Vision for the preacher. And I won't say it, but it's amazing. And every time I get finished with that prayer, I'm just not every, most of the time when I get finished with that prayer, I just thank the Holy Spirit for putting words in my mouth that are letter perfect. Exactly what I want to see happen. You don't form written prayers, but they can form you. How much do you make of God as Father? Is that what controls your worship and controls your prayer? Have you come to Jesus as the older brother who has laid down his life for you? And and please, don't walk away from this service today without a goal and a purpose to find your voice with God, to find prayers that you know God will hear because of the power of the Spirit. Do not settle for lifeless, dull prayers. The Spirit has much better for you than that. That your heart would be lifted up to the glory of God And you would be changed by that Spirit by degrees. One degree, another, after another until you see Jesus face to face. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for the Spirit of adoption by whom we pray and cry out, Abba, Father. And may that be our Thankful and urgent prayer every day. For we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.